Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This episode 107 of the podcast. A little bit of time in between I last recorded the podcast episode uh, with Amanda, I believe, was the last one I recorded on about two weeks ago or so. Uh, just really did not have a whole lot of time to record, so I decided to take the week off, let some things build up on me, and now I am ready to come in to discuss some of the things that make me mad, which is the whole point of the show. It'd be very awkward if I came on here and did not discuss things that made me mad. That would be false advertising. It would make a whole lot of sense for me to come on here and be like, here are the things that... Here's the title of the show. It's called What Makes Me Mad. Instead, I just come on here and I just talk about uh, food or something like that. It's just completely different off topic, but that's not what I do. I come on here, I discuss the things that make me mad. It is like a business appointment. I clock in, I clock out, and in between that time, I am working. I am discussing the things that make me mad. So that is the whole point of the show, and that is what I try to do. And I think I like to think that I do a pretty, pretty good job at it. But yeah, a lot of things have happened though in the past two weeks though. Uh, excited though because uh, the I told Amanda about this. Shout out to Amanda Spark, by the way. Uh, catch her on WJVL again. Uh, the last episode I recorded with her was the highest uh, episode uh, viewing I have gotten in over a year. Yeah, I was very happy about it. 13 views, which is enough for 13 cents coming my way. So, naturally, I'm pulling in about four or five, you know, views per episode, and I get her on, and she pulls in, helps me pull in 13, so, I mean, that's doubling the numbers right there. So, I like to think, all right, if I can, you know, double the numbers here, double the numbers here, all of a sudden, hey, I'm starting to get 40 and 50 views or something like that. Highest I've ever gotten, I want to say, is 70. I want to say that's on the first episode, which obviously that makes sense because you know it's the first episode. Uh, a lot of people were interested about it. And that was also uh, just one of my uh, favorite episodes of all time because obviously the first one I was like, all right, I gotta have this be good because if it wasn't good, then people weren't gonna listen. But the first one, I think I got some people hooked on it, and I tell you what, it's uh, pretty, it was pretty solid. It, it it had some numbers going on it, but yeah, who knows. Really wish I would have uh, had the advertisement going on that right away, but I started that halfway through the podcast. Or the sponsorships, I should say. So that little ad you hear in the beginning, that's me getting a set. So literally one penny coming my way, but hey, I'll take it. You know, money's money, so I will happily, happily take that. But enough about me being happy because I got some stuff that has made me mad in the past couple weeks, and I am ready to discuss it. And so I think one of the things that has recently made me mad is obviously I am recording this uh, on Sunday, May 15th at 1.30. And the Bucks play at 2.30. They play in a pivotal Game 7 against the Boston Celtics for the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Battle of two heavyweights. Just trading blows left and right. And I thought for sure on Friday night the Bucks were going to be able to go and uh, win at Pfizer. You know, again, completing the Bucks in six trifecta, uh, the prophecy or whatnot. And they were unable to. 
And I believe one of the reasons why they were unable to do that is because Coach Mike Budenholzer, good God, he has some terrible uh, ideas. Good God, that man. Like, that man brought a champ, helped bring a championship to Milwaukee. But if any of you guys want to go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast, uh, during the Bucks run against the Brooklyn Nets last year during their championship run, uh, I almost had each episode dedicated to Mike Budenholzer. Why? Because he nearly cost us that series. But all went away. All went well. Uh, he helped us guide us through Giannis's injury against the Hawks. And then uh, we were able to win against the Suns and bring home the championship. So my uh, heat for Bud- Budenholzer kind of cooled down a little bit. But it's kind of starting to ramp back up. Because he, for some reason, is playing two guys that are just not good. George Hill, maybe it's because he's going with the pl- uh, with the playoff experience uh, in the postseason. Last game, got zero points and one rebound. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, I just think of, like, all, like, the, you know, with first quarter, second quarter, you know, everyone's not into it. Like, you probably could easily get, like, uh, a couple rebounds or something like that, or maybe even two points. But George Hill, unable to do anything with that. But, you know, Hill... Uh, played on the has played on the Bucks for a while, uh, so you know I, I don't want to rip on him too much. But one guy I will happily rip on forever because I always will hate him from his days of torching the Badgers during the national championship run that he had with Duke. Grayson Allen had a terrible game against the Boston Celtics. Uh, I believe a plus minus of negative twenty two or something like that. So basically, was god awful. It would be better off for the Bucks not playing. Uh, wasn't good offensively, wasn't good defensively, but for some reason, Budenholzer kept those two guys in. You know, I have been able to watch the Bucks a whole lot for the regular season because the uh, uh, the channel that the Bucks are on is in a feud with Dish Network. They've been in a feud for the past four years, so unfortunately, you know, like when the Bucks become good, uh, I'm not able to watch them as much as I would like to. Still get them on national TV, which is, you know, fine, but I would like to, you know, just catch a game here or there. Because they're not always going to be on TV all the time. But anyway, uh, apparently from what I've seen from Twitter though, a lot of people are wanting, uh, I believe it's Javon Carter uh, to play. And from what it looks like, it seems like the guy's plus minus, which are any of you that are not NBA stat nerds. Plus and minus is basically just saying like, hey, does this guy have a positive rating when he's on the floor or is it negative for the team? So basically, it helps figure out like who's good and who's bad. So like if you have like like so Grayson Allen negative twenty two, that means he was his poor last last game. But I guess Carter has had a really high plus minus, so like he's like positively impacts the game. So you would think hmm, maybe I should put in the guy that's positively impacting the team. Uh, Coach Bo- Coach Bud is like nah 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 nah. I'll just stick with the guys uh, that are in the negatives. That's fine. But, uh, so we're without our second best player, Chris Middleton, who believe sprained his MCL against the uh, Bulls in the previous round. And then, uh, so yeah, you have that. And then also with uh, playing Grayson and uh, George Hill, you got guys out there that just aren't pulling their worth. And you have a guy sitting on the bench that's pretty solid. Like, literally, they put him in in garbage time and he got two points. It's like, that's two more points than George Hill. Where was that at all night? Wouldn't it make sense to just put the guy in, see what happens? 
Like, at some point, like, I understand, like, these coaches watch film. They see how these guys are in practice. And, like, they clearly see them every game. Like, they know what they're doing. They know more than I do. But I still feel like sometimes they're on information overload that they don't see the basic things sometimes. Like, anyone that watched that game is like, hmm, maybe someone else should be in instead of George Hill or Grayson Allen. But Budenholzer decided, yeah, I'm just going to keep rolling with that lineup. Uh, the Bucks lost, so now it is, ga- it is game seven. Uh, Giannis turned in an impressive performance. Bobby Portis was solid. Uh, my boy Pat Connington uh, putting up buckets like he always does at Drew Holiday. Uh, had a decent game. Drew has struggled a little bit in the postseason, but he's had some clutch moments. So it was just like literally I feel like if they would have just played a like decent lineup, like not have guys in there that were absolutely struggling, like getting them off the floor and putting in guys that could compete. I feel like they would have won. And now they got to go into Game 7 against the Celtics in the Boston Garden and try to win a Game 7. So we're going to have to see how this goes. Uh, hopefully they're able to pull it off, but I guess if not, that will be another podcast episode probably with uh, Budenholzer coming on here so i i I saw that and i was just like you know kind of made me mad and also too another thing that made me mad that i saw um so i am not a fan of uh today's country music Uh, i think it sucks Uh, i think it is very dumbed down i think it's watered down as well too and just uh not not like the old school country music as i like to say but one of the guys one of the artists that seemed to be having much success uh, in the business is a guy named Morgan Wallen. Uh, I do not like Morgan Wallen. I do not think he is good. And there's been some stuff that he has done where I'm like, hey, you're not really a good person. Uh, I believe he has been caught on tape saying the N-word. And also, too, uh, I believe there's something about a domestic violence. He, he got ki- All right, you know what? I'm going to look this up right now because I don't want to make a fool of myself. Uh, let's see here. Morgan Wallen, uh, domestic violence, wasn't it? He, he was on video doing something. Uh, uh, public intoxication. Hmm, okay. Uh, so yeah, anyway, he's... He's had some moments where it's like, all right, that's kind of shady or whatnot. So it's like your country music gets on tape saying the N-word. Somehow his music sales go up, which is not how it's supposed to be. Normally when you do something like that, uh, you're supposed to go down for a bit. And then you're supposed to do like the, okay, I have learned from this. Uh, I want to be a better person. Uh, Don't say it again. And then uh, you can start your redemption arc. But instead it was just like, yeah, he got caught and then just boom, went up. So I don't know how that happened. Uh, so anyway, it's just like, ah, hey, you're kind of a little bit of, uh, kind of a sleazeball, I feel like. And also, too, he was going to uh, perform on Saturday Night Live during uh, COVID, during like the COVID uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, they have like strict guidelines like, hey, just like quarantine or whatnot before your time or something. And he was caught like making out with someone at a party. And they're like, all right, we're going to have to have a different guest on because like you're clearly not quarantining. We're not going to put people at risk, even though we laid out the ground rules for you. So a couple of moments where he's just kind of been a little bit of a sleazebag, or I feel like, right? And so then I am on Instagram a couple 
couple uh, days ago, and I see Morgan Wallen looked like he was performing at Green, uh, performing at Lambeau Field, mind you. Uh, Lambeau Field, hallowed grounds, you know, uh, the place where uh, Ray Nitschke and Paul Horning and Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Reggie White, Aaron Rodgers, Vince Lombardi, Mike Holmgren have walked those hallowed sidelines. They've they've played on that field. They've played on the gridiron. They've given their blood, sweat, and tears to that. So it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I got to see Morgan Wallen doing a promotional photo shoot, getting to walk on that hollow ground. How does that sleazebag get to walk on Lambo? I get, yeah, you're trying to host concerts there or whatnot, but Morgan Wallen does not get to walk on Lambo. All right, I'm sorry, he shouldn't. Someone else should get to do it. Uh, you literally pick like 20 different musicians, but he should not get to walk on Lambo because when I got to take a tour of Lambo, a great tour, they literally told us, you can't go on the grass. And as much as I wanted to go on the grass because that's hollow ground, I respected the rules. But I was like, oh, but I, I would love to just pay $5 just to walk across the field, just kind of take it all in. Because this is, this is going to be weird for non-sports fans, but if you're a sports fan, maybe you get it. Uh, I heard this thing uh, with the Masters. Masters is a golf tournament down in Augusta, Georgia. Georgia is how the promotional promotion always goes. But they're saying it's such a hollowed ground where so many great golfers have walked. What some people will do sometimes is they'll take off uh, their socks and their shoes and they'll just like kind of walk barefoot and let like the, the grass and soil kind of like touch their feet and then you have like contact kind of with like all like the hollowed lungeons or whatnot. And I think that's really cool and really interesting. A lot of people are probably like that's really weird, but still I like to think that's kind of interesting. So my whole thing was like, oh, I would love to you know walk on Lambo. But obviously, you know, I can't do that because they literally have it all blocked off. And I get Morgan Wallen's playing there, but he's he should not be able to walk across Lambo. No. He, what he should do is he should have a concert out in the parking lot. He wants to have a concert out in the parking lot, that's fine. You know, hey, you get people up in Green Bay, that's fine. You know, that's, tour, uh, that's revenue for the city. Uh, I get it. But he does not deserve to be in the hollowed grounds of Lambeau Field. That's just me. I've seen, you know, some concerts over the years that have, uh, you know, obviously played at uh, historic venues. But I'm just like, really? Morgan Wallen? You know, we couldn't get, uh, a, like, a big famous musician? Like, like a Garth Brooks. If Garth Brooks was like, hey, I'm going on tour and I want to play at Lambeau, I'd be like, yes, you can walk across the hollowed grounds of Lambo because you uh, are uh, a famous musician and you have clearly like the reputation for it. Like you absolutely. Uh, Morgan Wallen, no. Uh, he should not. He should have been passed over for about like 20 different people. Heck, if Morgan Wallen wanted to perform on like the ski hill over at Town, that would have been fine. Or hey, maybe you have him outside Lambo. And he could perform there too, but like inside, where he gets to walk on the hollow turf. I was like, oh, no, I don't like that. Pissed me off. Rubbed me the wrong way. Ruffled my feathers a little bit. Another thing that ruffled my feathers a little bit. I was watching uh, Talladega. Yeah, as you guys know, if you if you're not listening to this podcast before, I am a NASCAR fan. I was into it when I was really little. 
kind of uh, stopped watching the sport after a bit, but then uh, pandemic hit, I got back into it, basically. You know, I would watch, like, some of the big races, but then once pandemic hit, it was one of the sports to come, one of the first sports to come back, so I was like, shoot, I might as well walk. Get back into it, watch it with my dad. You know, a good father-son bonding moment. So, I like watching NASCAR. And especially Talladega. Like, Talladega, one of the sporting events where it's like, I'm sitting down and I'm watching this. You got cars just running in a pack at 190 miles an hour. Uh, one slight false move uh, will turn a car and then take out half the field, basically. So, it's like, anticipation is building for the big wreck that happens. Uh, you, you can't take your eyes off it, right? Except that's what NASCAR on Fox did. Because they had a shit ton of commercials in the beginning of it. Literally, it was like every 10 laps was a commercial. Basically what happens is about 50 seconds it takes to run around Talladega uh, in a car. So about uh, 8 laps or so. Or, eight, or about 10 laps, I'd say. Every 10 laps, boom, caution. Or not a caution, boom, commercial break. Hey, come back. Another commercial break. Like, it's just like, that's just so hard to get in the flow of the rhythm of the race. Sometimes they'll do the side-by-side -side stuff where they'll have, like, it, the playing in, like, the background, but they'll still have the commercial going. And it's just hard to get into a rhythm of it because you want to know what's going on with each car, how things are handling. And when you throw commercial breaks left and right in there, you just can't get a flow of things. You can't get into it a whole lot. And again, that's what I really like about soccer because they have 45 minutes of of uninterruption uh you have where they go for the 45 minutes and then you have the halftime break that's when you get your commercials in there and then back out second half no commercial breaks because it's like some of these sports it's like they have to find a way to throw in a commercial break every opportunity they get even when i'm watching mlb network just catching a ball game on or something like that sometimes if there's a break in between pitches they'll throw a five second ad in there it's like Really? We have to put it every which way possible? What happened to in between the inning breaks or in between like a, a pitching change or something like that? That's when we'll do the commercial breaks. It's not that hard. But instead now they're just trying to throw like commercial breaks in as much as possible. Because I think what has happened is over the years, they these commercial companies are like, they've seen like YouTube or something where it's like, Oh, it's a 30-second ad, or, like, it's a 10-second ad, and, like, oh, yeah, I'll, like, it's not that bad, because it's, like, oh, okay, 10 seconds, and then, like, I'm able to watch the clip or whatnot, and, like, that's fine, like, that's pretty quick, it's in the beginning, or maybe halfway through, uh, that's fine, but I think what they've noticed is, like, oh, if, if YouTube does it, you know, we'll throw in a 10-second ad here, and it's, like, uh, no, no, that's not the point. Like, the whole point of having the quick ad is that the ad is over and done with, and then I can get the flow and rhythm of watching said entertainment. What a lot of these companies are doing now is they're just trying to throw that extra little five-second ad in there and just get a little bit more money, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you do that, and you're just interrupting the flow of the game for me. And, like, it, it's not good. I mean, it, the thing that makes, like, Again, like I said, it's just like the whole flow is what's important. Now, I think people have started to realize this a little bit, and they're like, all right, let's do less commercial breaks. Let's try to have more action on the game. But it's just such a delicate situation of trying to, you know, get your advertising dollars, but also trying to get, you know, an enjoyable product, like an enjoyable broadcast. And just a lot of them are struggling because they're like, yeah, throw that five-second ad in there, and it's like, it's it interrupts the flow. 
Yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice some advertising dollars, but, like, you want people to enjoy the product because then they'll keep watching. The more people that watch, the better it is for your advertising as well, too. You just can't throw 100 commercials in the beginning and then expect everything to go. It, like, at the end of the race, obviously, they had, uh, you know, less less commercials, but still, it was like, you know... Like, if something happens in the beginning, which stuff happened in the beginning as well, too. And especially at a place where Talladega, where it's like, you know, yeah, the majority of the wrecks will probably happen at the end of the race when cars are trying to battle for position. I get that. But there's been wrecks that have happened in the beginning that have taken out the entire field as well, too. And the last thing I want to see is the side-by-side uh, commercial of a huge wreck happening where I'm listening to, like, some Applebee's commercial or something like that. I can see the wreck, but they're not talking about it. it just... It, it rubs me the wrong way. And also, too, while we're at it, uh, the whole teammate situation in NASCAR, I don't like it. What people have done uh, is if you have the same owner as another driver, a lot of times, uh, you know, you are a teammate of that driver, and so they try to work together. And I tell you what, you know, I could kind of see, like, you know, sharing ideas and all that and, like, you know, trying to do pitch strategy and all that, but some sometimes the car is trying to link up and slow down on a draft. You just got to work with who you can work with in a, the, in, in a draft. It's basically like working. Uh, sometimes, yeah, it'd be great if you could work with all your buddies, Scott Silly, but sometimes you're going to have people on a shift that you're just going to have to be like, all right, we're all just going to have to work together because we all have that common goal. So it rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, just kind of seeing that hole where it's like, oh, everyone worked together, and it's like, eh, you got to you gotta bat. You got to go for the win. You just can't try to... Uh, be a good teammate. Like, people gotta go for the win. And I think probably the last thing that has made me mad, and it's been the most recent thing, I would say, and it's just made a lot of sports fans mad. Uh, if you don't know his name, I say you are lucky, because this man is god-awful for the game of baseball. But the man's name is Angel Hernandez. He is one of the worst umpires in all of pro sports i would say specifically baseball though and it has gotten really bad over the years so a lot of things over the years has been made up of is the uh strike zone for baseball some umps are different you know i've talked about it before on the podcast with some of my baseball fans that i've had come on you know it's very it's very uh weird sometimes some umps like to call things a little bit off the plate like the strike zone is supposed to be any part of the plate that's at the uh, batter's, uh, what I believe, uh, kneecap the belt or something like that. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but when you watch baseball podcast, they, or when you watch baseball broadcast, I should say, uh, you'll have the strike zone, like, on the screen. Like, they'll show, like, a, just to see, like, oh, yeah, this pitch would have been called, this should have been called the strike, this should have been called the ball. Sometimes that's not always accurate, though, but... When you've watched baseball for as long as I have, you've been able to figure out, like, what pitches are called, you know, strikes, which ones are called balls. So you can clearly see some that are off the plate. Angel Hernandez, though, has not been able to figure that out. So, Sunday Night Baseball, Phillies Brewers. That man had probably one of the worst performances I have ever seen behind the plate. God-awful strikes left and right, calling strikes balls, calling balls strikes. 
just very inconsistent and very frustrating as a viewer because it's like you want to see these two teams go at it. Like a great pitching matchup, I believe it was Aaron Nola against Corbin Burns. But it doesn't help when Angel Hernandez behind the plate is calling the game with the blindfold on, it seems like. So this came the worst, probably top or bottom of the night. Phillies tried to rally. Kyle Schwarber. Up to the plate, right? 3-2 pitch. A little bit outside. Angel Hernandez decides to ring up Schwarber. Schwarber, very pissed off, throws his helmet down, which gets him the whole heave-ho from Angel Hernandez. And he literally, you can see him outing it. He's going, you're calling pitches out here. You're calling pitches out here. Like, it's terrible for both sides. And this is what pisses me off about MLB umpires. A lot of them, some are good, but a lot of them seem to just have this fractured ego where it's like if you question their call, question their authority, you can't show them up, you can't argue, you can't do anything with it. And like I've seen it where it's like if a guy stares at him and the guy gets an ejection because it's like, oh, that's showing up the umpire. And it's like, how is that showing up the, like, He's just, he wants to show, hey, I thought that call was wrong, and I'm, like, upset about it. I just can't, like, if you're a pitcher, like, you know how hard it is to execute a pitch like that? And, you, and it's just not going to be like, a, oh, well, shucks, guess I'll just have to throw another pitch, where it's like, all right, if you call that one a ball, you know, how is he going to call this pitch that I throw? And if I throw this pitch inside, how is the pit hitter going to react to it? So it's just, a, you know, a big song and dance, basically. And just, I think it's so dumb with this whole showing up, you know, the refs where all of a sudden, like, that will result in a flag or a penalty. And I've noticed that, too, in basketball as well, too, where it's like um, a guy will get a technical foul for doing something where he doesn't agree with the call. I've talked about it before on the podcast as well, too, where it's like if a guy... If a guy hangs on the rim for too long, sometimes refs will just tee him up, or if they show emotion or glare at an opponent, they'll get hit with a tee. Uh, Giannis, in one of the earlier games for the playoffs, I want to say, he threw down uh, a dunk and stared at a guy for a second, and then the ref quickly tees him up. So it's like you have a big play, everyone's into it, and then you have the ref completely throws cold water on the hot situation, tees up the guy, you know, like, that just takes all the energy out of the building. Like, when you have a technical, when you throw it, like, yes, obviously, sometimes they have to be called. But when you th when you just start dishing out tees left and right, like, it, it just doesn't go good for the flow of the game. It just doesn't. And so, like, Giannis throws down the dunk. They give him the tee for the stare down. And it's like, like, no one pays to watch the refs. Yes, we understand refs are important and they are part of the game, but like professional ones, I'll always rip on because it's like they're getting paid a really good salary so they can easily afford it. And they have the technology as well, too. And what, and what really rubs me the wrong way as well, too, is when you have guys... So it's like, I remember last postseason in the finals, every time Devin Booker thought he got fouled, he'd be right up in the ref's face crying. No technical foul would happen. Grant Williams in uh, the series against the Bucks, he thought he had his hands up, so he's literally following the ref around with his hands up. Isn't that the definition of showing up the ref right there? Neither of those guys got technicals. 
But for some reason, when Bobby Portis disagreed with the call in the finals, he literally ran up the court because he disagreed with the call but didn't want to say anything to the ref and still got teed up because that's showing up an official. And that's so dumb because it's like he's doing what you're supposed to. He doesn't want to say anything stupid to the ref. He doesn't want to say anything that will get him you know, teed up. So he's taking himself away from the situation. It's a high-tense game. He's clearly upset about it. And he's doing like, I'm walking... Like, it's... I'm running away from the situation, basically. Like, I'm upset. And, like, I'm going to show I'm upset. But I'm not going to say anything. And, like, it's at that point, it's like, okay, what else is he supposed to do? Like, like he's just walking away from the situation, right? Aren't you supposed to, like, that's how you defuse the situation? But I said, ref, bleep, tease him up. And it's just... It interrupts the flow, and it's just so dumb because it's like this ref that has a little fragile ego is just giving up tees left and right. It's like, no one paid to see you. Like, I paid to see the superstars. I want to watch the superstars play. And, like, when the ref is just dishing out tees left and right, it's not fun for anyone. Or when they get calls wrong, but they're too... Uh, they don't want to admit it's wrong. It's like, people make mistakes left and right. I... I've made mistakes as well, too, before. Like, I, I like to think that I'm perfect, but I'm not. I've made plenty of mistakes. Just people want to see, a, hey, I fucked up. My bad. And we'll move on with the situation. But what doesn't help it is when you have guys like Angel Hernandez who make constant mistakes and then double down on the situation and there's just, like, no repercussions for it. The guy gets to still... I mean, he hasn't done a World Series game in, like, a really long time. But, like, even in, like, the playoffs, he's still done games. Uh, I was reading up on him last night where it was, like, he did, like, Red Sox-Yankees or something like that. And he had, like, four calls get overturned at first after a video replay or something because it's, like, he clearly uh, is getting the stuff wrong. And it's just, like, there's, there's no repercussions for it. Like, I get people make mistakes, own up to it, and if you keep making it, well, maybe move them to a different area. Like, especially in, like, postseason. Maybe just move him, have him watch the uh, foul territory or something like that. Have him be third baseline uh, foul territory. Instead of putting him at the most important, important spots. I just don't understand it. And it doesn't make the game fun for me. But I think that's going to do it, though, for this week's edition of What Makes Me Mad. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the support. It is always a lot of fun uh, when people uh, say that they listen. So, you know, again, trying to reinvent the pot or, like, keep the podcast going and keep the flair and the excitement for it and come up with new stuff. That's why I'm trying to have more people come on and, you know, we share some ideas. And I think it, uh, I'm trying to just... Kind of keep the passion for the podcast going and kind of get back at it instead of treating it like a, like it's something I got to do. Uh, treat it like it's something like I want to do. So I'm hoping that it's like past couple episodes you guys have seen that and it's worn off. Uh, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed that. Who knows, maybe some people liked it when I was just monotone for a bit. I kind of had a stretch where I was just very monotone and I realized that. So I'm trying to add a little bit more oomph into these episodes. But, you know, sometimes it's like, when you talk about uh, Angel Hernandez, it's like, oh, that guy just rubs me the wrong way. So, 
you know, I try to do my parts where it's like I get passionate about some stuff. Sometimes I, I, you know, I'm just, it's me talking in a room by myself, so it's real easy to get monotone there, but it happens. Uh, so I just try my best at it, but uh, for the people that have listened to multiple episodes, shout out to you guys uh, for giving it multiple chances, and hopefully you guys have liked it. So I'll just keep putting these out since there's always going to be stuff that makes me mad, and uh, we'll see you guys next time I record. Thank you.